Hello, and welcome to Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm your host, Pacifico Soldati. The show explores topics from law and business to consciousness, spirituality, and everything in between. We feature accomplished leaders across many fields to help you get more out of your life. You can learn more and stay up to date at theluepodcast.com. If you're not familiar with my background, I'm a helper, parent, marketer, attorney outlaw, certified mediator, story brand guide, omnist, yoga teacher, and a former paratrooper and award-winning army chef at the 82nd Airborne Division and U.S. Army Special Operations Command. I'm the founder and CEO of the Soldati Group, a marketing agency helping startups, small businesses, and law firms leverage the power of story to grow their businesses. Law, Universe, and Everything is a production of the Soldati Group. All opinions expressed by the hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Soldati Group or guest employers. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and these discussions do not constitute legal or investment advice. Today's episode is brought to you by the HOCL Association, the first trade association for the HOCL industry. HOCL is the chemical our white blood cells produce to fight infection, now available in shelf-stable form for the first time in human history. 100 times stronger than bleach, yet safe enough to drink, HOCL is the most important chemical you've never heard of. Combining the strength of chlorine with the safety and versatility of water, HOCL will revolutionize skin care, wound care, pet care, disinfecting, and usher in a new era of clean agriculture. It even works as a seed to sale additive for cannabis with dozens of incredible benefits. Learn more at HOCLA.org. My guest today is Steve Wiedemann. Steve is the author of SEO Strategies and Skills, a college textbook and courseware by Stukent. He's also an adjunct professor of digital marketing at UCSD and CSUF. And he's the CEO of Wiedemann Consulting Group based in La Mirada with clients that include Applebee's and IHOP. Thanks so much for being here. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. Excited to, to share some experiences and have some fun. Yeah. So take me back a bit. How did you get your start in marketing? I think it happened by necessity. I was actually at a passion for digital marketing or building websites and creating all this cool stuff back on the, the internet in the late 90s. And all my my friends that I was doing websites for said, this is a really neat website with all the scrolling marquees and Belvin and Boss buttons and drop shadows, but I'm not really getting any business from it. So I had to, if I was going to keep them as clients, even though half of them were just my friends, I had to figure out how to get traffic to their websites. So I started to you know read articles and follow folks like Bruce Clay and Aaron Wall and Danny Sullivan, the pioneers of you know, of the industry that we're in in SEO. And so from that, I started to organize all the, the different ideas and thoughts into my own little ebook that I called the four layers of the SEO model and was able to break out these little checklists for myself and for future projects and started to really enjoy it. I enjoyed the, the competition of how do I get to the number one spot and what would that mean if I was number one for this search term? And from there, I went back to school. I got my degree in e-business management. I picked up a, a job with a small little company called Disney. And okay, maybe they're not small. And I was actually the SEM account manager for Disneyland.com and Adventures by Disney. And on the Disneyland side, I, I got to manage the paid and organic and for marketing and for commerce being tickets, packages, reservations, or today, probably the, the new Disney Genie Plus passes, right? As uh, the world is balking about right now. 
And on the marketing side, it was really just about getting eyeballs to the website and to new rides and things that were going on. I did my time in corporate, worked for Disney, spent some time with IBM Global Services, did a few years of agency work. And 2010, I decided, hey, I want to be closer to my family. And I you know, picked up my, my stuff out of my desk and threw it in a box and headed home and started to work from home to help my wife with the kids and be more available and never look back. So went from being Steve Wiedemann SEO expert as a DBA to incorporating in 2015. And the folks that have picked up along with the adventure have, have stuck with me. And all nine of us just have a lot of fun helping some really exciting brands and working on really fun projects and hanging out with amazing people like you. Oh, that's awesome. Quite the journey there. Mm -hmm. So what then led you into academia? You know, it was always a dream of mine to to teach. And I honestly thought I was going to back to school and teach American history because I really love history. But one day I got a phone call from a friend of mine who said, hey, I've, you know, I just heard there's an opening for um, a position for the certificate program in digital marketing at Cal State Fullerton. Are you interested? I'm like, sure, I'll check it out. I wanted to teach something else, but I got thrown into it. And it's about almost four years ago now, I think. And I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I only had about 15 to, to you know 22 students per class. It was all online. It was really, for the most part, self-paced. I created videos and quizzes and so forth online and made myself available once a week for an hour to you know, have a little office hours time with the students. And next thing I know, my name gets thrown around and I'm teaching at, you know, at, at San Diego. And then after that, I get another phone call from someone at Fullerton College, Kathy Stannon over there. And she says, hey, I've heard some good things about you. I need a teacher to fill four classes. And I'm like, what's he too? Well, wow, I'm at six classes already. I don't know if I can do it. And next thing I'm teaching 10 concurrent classes between three colleges and most wow. of it semi self-paced. I upload the, the video content and the, the lectures. And then every term, I basically just refresh it a bit, but, but it's not a lot of work. The students who need help join the office hours, those who don't, it's manageable. It's just a lot of fun giving back to the community and to the industry. I know that now that these marketers, when they go out into the SEO world, are going to be using best practices. They're going to be following white hat, honest, ethical practices and how they, they do SEO. They're going to have the, the right templates and tools that I've evolved over 22 years of doing this stuff. And hopefully they'll be able to, to teach some clients how to actually create some key performance indicators in the industry. Cause there's really not a lot of that, like Facebook advertising. You've got people that just do it. Oh, I do Facebook. Oh, I do social. What's your strategy? What's your roadmap? What, what's your themes? What's your cadence? What's your calendar look like? What are you mimicking off of? Who are the influencers that you're going to be you know, collaborating with and following? What, what's your strategy? Nobody really has that. So I'm hoping that every term as I'm teaching somewhere between two to 300 students that these folks are going into the industry saying, here's a template roadmap. Let's, you know, let's put something together, create some KPI goals for the year and really rockstar your SEO. So hopefully I'm making a difference one student at a time. So in terms of best practices, like what do you see as the biggest misconceptions people have about SEO? I think the the most challenging attribute, I think, of our industry are clients that think that SEO is a one-time technical thing you need to do. Fix the SEO so that we can, you know, be number one and then move on. Well, it doesn't work like that. Your competitors aren't going to rest on their laurels when they see you beat them. For keywords that they've been working on for years, it doesn't work like that. It's, it's a garden, right? You're planting seeds with some of the technical um, aspects. You are pouring water 
on your SEO as you continue to nurture and improve your content to make it more helpful and useful and faster loading and privacy and security are addressed. You're putting sunlight on it as you get other websites continuously to share and mention and curate and link to content on your website so that Google finds links to your site as they're crawling through the internet and giving you more credibility and linking them and giving you more voting power essentially. So it's more of it's more of an initiative than it is a one-time thing. And I think that's the biggest mis- misconception, unfortunately, is business owners think that search engine optimization, because it sounds technical, is a technical thing. And it really isn't. It's technical, contextual, and off-page, and measuring the improvement in all of those things every month with specific goals every year. And I think that's, to me, when I look at our industry and where the biggest challenge is, I think that's it's educating clients on you know, knowing that this is an ongoing thing we're going to do. If you're going to commit to it, we're not going to come in as a project and do something and leave. We're going to we're going to keep chipping away. We're going to it's a marathon, not a sprint, as they say. Yeah, and it is relentless, right? It's it's not something that's going to end, like you say. So, um, embracing it as just table stakes of running a business at this point of just hey, here's just like another thing you do, just like bookkeeping, just <laughs> right. like you know the really fundamental things. It's like hey, if you're online, which you should be, then <laughs> this is like part of life. And I think yeah, like we do have specialists and stuff now, but it isn't something that's generalized to the masses yet. Like in terms of like where this will go eventually, mm-hmm. we're still so far on the adoption curve of like actually sure. practicing what should be practiced. And then, then of course, yeah. things just evolve based on search algorithms and, and a variety of other things. So it's, it's never going to stop, right? Nope. It's an infinite race to the top, right? That's the goal. Get the highest position for the greatest amount of relevant search terms. And every month you're just growing how many terms you rank for and how high you rank for those terms in all the different places people search in web search and image search and video search in Amazon search and YouTube, all the different places that people are looking for your products or services, whether it's just for information and learning at that sort of upper funnel side down to where they're ready to buy. And they're using words like buy product name online. Do we have content to help visitors or potential customers at each of those different levels. So yeah, I think it is more of a, an infinite adventure as opposed to it being a, a project or a, a specific set time thing that we do. But it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun because every year Google and Bing and other search engines are updating their algorithms. So as SEOs, we get to we get to follow the flow of changes. There's been, I think, four updates just in the last couple of months alone. One where Google updated their, the way that they look at links coming to your site. If you're spamming the internet with links, those links aren't going to count for or against you anymore. They're they're just going to get ignored. There's a, a big page experience update where we, we think Google might be trying to save some money on crawling all these slow websites by forcing webmasters to make faster websites. And that's rolling out right now and should be done in the next couple of weeks. In, Every year, and there's one to four core updates that happen that, that affect what you in the search results based on different factors, such as your money, your life, as they call it, where if it, a site affects your finances or your health, they're going to measure it and look at it differently. They're going to scrutinize it more, both on the page and off the page. Do we trust the content on this page? Does it reference real articles that uh, are by scholars? There's so much every year. And then two, three, four years from now, we're going to be searching completely differently. Right now, we're primarily searching on our phones, unless we're in a dentist office searching for dental equipment, then we might be behind a desktop. But for the most part, we're behind our phones. Now we're optimizing for how the search engines look at our websites on our phones. And we're optimizing to keep them on the website as opposed to going back to the search results 
and choosing a competitor. So we're looking at ways that we can get a user through an experience on our phones, on their phones, through our sites, just using one hand. If the user has to fill out a form and it doesn't autofill with name, address, phone number, or you're requesting special field information from them, you might lose a customer until they get behind a desktop or choose a competitor. So we want to make sure that they can get through an experience and a purchase, you know, with just, just their thumb if possible, because unfortunately a lot of people still do multitask and, uh, and drive and do things that they shouldn't be doing. So they're working off of one hand. And if a user has to, you know, use the other hand to type in information, then, you know, we could lose a customer. And, and in a couple of years from now, it's going to be all voice. So it's going to be, go to this website, make this purchase. The voice is going to come back and say, I found three products. Would you like to hear them? And then you'll, you know, you'll get those three products rattle off to you and you'll say which one you want. And, and you'll be able to actually transact, make purchases and do actions through voice. So you need to start thinking about the Google Action Console and the Alexa skills and thinking about how we're enabling the voice search API on our website. So users can click a microphone icon instead of a magnifying icon in our search boxes. So many things we need to start thinking about to future proof ourselves as you know our, our competitors get more and more savvy and hire more and more experts to make sure that they get the traffic when people are looking for your product or service. So what can small business owners and like bootstrapping startup CEOs do to improve SEO from the ground up at a time when, like you're talking about, it's about to you know undergo a massive shift, mm -hmm. but you still need everything that's been done up to this point, right? Like you still need what's needed now, but you also need to be able to be prepared for 24, 36 months major changes to how all of this operates. Absolutely. I, I would say to make having a roadmap a priority, maybe get with a consultant or even contact a well-known agency and just say, look, I'm not looking for services right now. I can't afford it, but I can afford a roadmap. I know it's, it's basically going to eat up my marketing budget for the quarter, but I know once I have that roadmap, I can get some interns, college interns in. I can get a, a family member who's got some extra hours. I can commit myself an hour a day to the execution of that roadmap. So it's just creating the roadmap for what we need to do for technical SEO. And if you need to outsource that, you can use sites like Codable or freelancer.com. And you can say, here's the technical roadmap of things I need to get done. Give me a quote. And some of those platforms will actually bid to give you the lowest bid on implementing. And then you'll need someone to help with content. So once you've got that roadmap, you know exactly what pages you need to put on your website. If you don't already have them, what to to use in terms of keywords and where to use them, uh, what attributes should be on the page to have a great user experience and solve for all the different semantics and ways that people are searching for what you have. So your job's just gonna be um, setting up a pace and creating a calendar of implementing and loading up that content on the website. And the last part is really looking at where all of the competitors are earning visibility online, where you're not, where are the links that they're getting that you're not. Hey, seven of our competitors, a link and some content from this industry website, we could probably get a lot of referral traffic from that website because it's about our industry. Let's let's talk to the folks who run that site and see how we might be able to get some visibility there, either natively through advertising to start and then eventually organically, hopefully we can earn a link from it. So it's really understanding where are those sites, where are and what are those pages and what are those technical attributes and who can I hire affordably if I can't do it myself to get those things done. But having that roadmap is the first place I'd start. Fundamentally, if we want to look at our own SEO and on our own website, just to make sure that we're at the ground level compared to our competition, we want to make sure our site's secure and that we have a valid SSL certificate 
reach out to your web host and just ask them, do I have the best SSL that I could have for what I need right now? You want to make sure you've, you've thought about accessibility. There's an extension you can add to Chrome, your Google Chrome browser, that's called the Wave Evaluation Tool. It's free, and it'll tell you what you can do on your website to improve accessibility as a starting point. You want to think about privacy. Is your privacy policy linked to on every page? And is it up to date? Does it have a last updated date of this year on it? You want to look at your mobile experience. Pull open your website on your phone. Can you get through an experience with your thumb? Is the, the call to action of what you want them to do omnipresence, say in a floating footer at the bottom of your site? Or do I have to flick the phone up and down to find the button of what to do? Does my page load as quickly as possible? Go to webpagetest.org or tools.pingdom, P-I-N-G-D-O-M, or GT Metrics, and punch in your, your website address and see how fast your site loads. Does it load in under two seconds? If it doesn't, then go back to your web host and say, hey, what can I do to get my site faster? They might offer something called a content delivery network to speed things up. They might recommend a developer to go to to help speed things up. If you're focusing on those core areas, then you've got a really good foundation for it. The easiest thing to do for SEO, more than anything for any small business, is just do a search for what you offer. Forget about your brand name. You already show up for that. If you don't, you've got a bigger problem. But think about your product or service. If you're an accountant and you're in Anaheim, search for accountant in Anaheim. Look in the first page of the search results, the three map listings. Look at the 10 listings below the maps. If you don't show up there, then look at the page that you have on your website that's supposed to show up. And it won't be your homepage because your homepage is for your brand. It should be a specific page that you created for that particular need that somebody has. And then look at those you know, 13 results that show up, those three map packs and those 10 organic listings and see what's different about their page than yours. What do they use in the title that you see in Google search results? What do they use in the description? What sort of of rich results do you see? Do you see star ratings? Do you see questions and answers below the listing? Do you see a video or an image thumbnail that makes it stand out, right? Work with your developer, your website designer, or freelancer.com if you need to, and get some really rich results in there so that you stand out and people want to click on you more often and that your page is just as helpful or more than those other 13 pages for that specific keyword. That was a lot. Mm. Oh, that's <laughs> great. That's great advice. Thank you. you bet. So tell me a little bit about your work with seoverified.com. So we realized that there's, and it's unfortunate because I actually worked for one of these companies, not realizing what I was getting into back in 2008. There's companies out there that are unfortunately selling snake oil and they, they'll call you up and say, Hey, I noticed you're not number one in, in Google. We can get you there. No problem. They, they get access to your Google My Business profile, your Google Maps profile. They get access to all your, your digital assets. And, and if you leave them, they don't give those back to you. In fact, in some cases, they give them to your competitors to use for extra traffic. And it's really shady. It's really sad. But it's the nature of what the, the folks who are going after small businesses in the SEO industry are doing. And it's they dial up, they say it's $200 a month, we'll get you number one in Google. And there's thousands of these reps, I've seen the rooms that are sitting in these boiler rooms calling these businesses, they get them into this program that does nothing for them other than the first month when they go in and claim and get the right categories. And then they set it, forget it and keep charging you every month. 
for doing nothing other than you looking at a report. And for the first few months, it might look like it's doing good because that first change they did takes a few months for Google to recognize that was a helpful thing. So they're like, hey, look, every month you're moving up. No, you made some initial changes that are still benefiting me. But six, 12 months down the line, you're going to call back and say, hey, I don't feel like I'm getting any new business. What's going on? Then they play this retention game with you where they try to, oh, we'll give you a free month. Let's see what we can do. And, and then they hope that things will improve by doing nothing. Most of the time they don't. And it's just a nightmare. So what we did with SEO Verified is we gave business owners a checklist that they could use when they're on a call with their current SEO company or the SEO company they're thinking about hiring. And they'll ask them really important questions. Do I own everything that you're going to create for me? Or are you going to take those away from me if I stop working with you? Do I own my website? Do I own the Google Analytics profile that we're working with? Do I um, have admin access to make changes to my website? All the important questions that business owners need to be asking that probably don't they don't know to ask. So we just created this simple little checklist and we said, here, grab this, use this as your arsenal to protect yourself from these shady SEO companies out there. Wow, that is really intense. Yeah, I knew <laughs> I like people scamming people, but that's like though. super, yeah. yeah, that is like super thorough to what they're doing. That's Transparency a, a is everything. Service. Yeah, especially oh, in an industry that's it's such that's it sounds so technical and it's it's a big fog, right? So we're trying our best to really inject transparency through what I'm doing in the teaching world by giving everyone really good templates and work workflow by by pushing these checklists out to all the small business owners so that they have something. It's definitely, I've, I've definitely got some nasty emails from agencies like we do this for a reason and yeah, we don't agree with it. But this transparency just it makes us feel better. It allows our clients this huge open window to see all the things that should be happening in SEO without it being, oh, that's our secret sauce. We can't share that with you. Oh, it's proprietary. Guess what? Google doesn't share their algorithm with anyone. They give you hints and clues, all of which are available for free on the Google developer website. And SEO companies shouldn't be saying this is our secret sauce. They should be saying this is all out there, free information. We're just going to help you through it because we know it feels and it feels overwhelming and can get complicated. So here's all the things we're going to be doing, how we're going to be doing it, and where you can contribute to help us get it done. That's the mentality we want to inject into the industry and get away from all this, oh, it's proprietary it's secret sauce bs you know that that they're doing so important so <laughs> talk to me a little bit about the dynamics between how people search the web and how regulations govern what words can and can't be used on web pages and advertisements and so on sure yeah it's getting really interesting i mentioned that your money your life criteria that google's looking at now if you're using medical terms medical words for example you are going to get scrutinized more because they want to make sure that they're providing search results that their visitors can trust and not have to worry about being taken advantage of or worse getting sick from purchasing something that you know that that isn't created by a, a doctor or a medical center or something real so there's definitely some indirect regulations that they're creating through their algorithm to prevent people from seeing content that could hurt them or could take advantage of them. We saw this a lot in, in the payday loan industry. There was a really aggressive move by payday loan providers back, I don't know, almost 10 years ago now to try to take advantage of consumers. And so they made this payday loan update to prevent uh, a lot of the, the sites that were taking advantage of people from appearing. The other things that we see is like copyrights. If you're trying to use a competitor's name or a competitor's brand, to drive traffic and business to your website and you're using their copyright or their trademark, they can actually file a complaint against you with Google 
and Google will filter you out in the search results. And at the bottom, you'll see a little message that says some sites were omitted because they violated trademark. So if you see somebody doing that, both in paid and organic search, whether you're using their Google ads platform or working with an organic strategy, just be careful not using competitors. The, the, where, the way I would use competitors is when you're comparing yourself versus them. So if you've got a comparison table because you want to show how you compare versus the competition, go for it. You're trying to promote yourself and you're comparing yourself. It's great. But if you're using the competitor's name to try to drive traffic saying, oh, this is this product and you're misleading them by making them think that it's some other product, that's the kind of stuff that violates trademarks and it's going to get you into trouble. You can't even use a competitor's name in a Google ad, um, especially if they've already claimed the trademark for it. It'll tell you, sorry, you're using trademark terms and they'll they'll basically disapprove the ad. So they're doing a really good job about that. In Europe, they've even got policies in place where you have the, the right to not be found. If it's your name that's showing up on the internet, you can file and fill out a form and say, I, I don't want these results with my name on them to appear. And they'll look at them and they'll say, yeah, this person has the right not to be found. And they'll remove those results from the search results. I don't think they have that yet in the US, but they're starting it in Europe. And it's I'm glad they're doing it because it helps a lot of, of folks that bad things have happened to them sometimes not their fault. And when someone's going in for a job interview and they Google their name, Hey, what's all this stuff? And oh, I, some SEO did that to me because they were paid by my, my ex wife or husband to make me look bad on the internet. And then they don't get a job because they don't want the drama and they don't want to have to question and know whether it was real or not. So it's good that they're doing that sort of thing, but it can be a lot to keep up with. That's for sure. Oh yeah. The right to be forgotten is definitely incredibly important, but as you say, like, so hard to maintain is just everything gets indexed or people put more stuff out there and it's just like having to constantly keep up with that yeah, thank god um, for google alerts right yeah yeah exactly and eventually everyone will have just like a sort of digital sidekick that can scour the internet for them and keep track of their own like digital profile it's true so tell me what advice would you give to a smart driven high school or college student about to enter their real world and is there any advice you think they should ignore? To ignore, I would say ignore anything that's dated. Anything that's, say, pre-2018 at this point, you can probably say this may not apply anymore. What I would do is learn those fundamentals. We do have a free um, masterclass available at Academy of Search if they're interested, and they can learn some basic technical SEO, content optimization, and off-page SEO, and get the templates. In fact, the templates are in the paid course that we have. If, you're, if your listeners would like free access to that one, just use my handle, SEO Steve, and they can check out. It's the same course, basically, that I teach at Cal State Fullerton, but they get those same templates. They get all the, the same foundational learning that you need to be an effective SEO in that course at Academy of Search. Again, just use SEO Steve if you want free access to it. Happy to share that with you. The other thing I would do is pick something that's new and, and upcoming and be a master at it. I'd mentioned the, the Google Action Center. I'd mentioned Alexa skills. I'd mentioned creating mobile experiences that require just your thumb to get through an experience. Master those things. Tout yourself as an expert in it. Write an ebook on it. Maybe even write a real textbook and self-publish it so that you're an expert in that particular area of search. And then the demand as it starts happening and starts growing over the next year or two, people are going to start searching for you. They're going to start searching for Alexa skills expert, Google action center expert, and you're going to be right there at the top of the search results. They'll trust you because you wrote a book about it and they know that you're an expert in it and 
you're going to enjoy that specialization and be making a lot of money because there's not a lot of competition in it yet. That's what I would do if I were starting over right now. Learn the fundamentals, pick up a, a niche of something that, that we know is going to be high demand in the next year or two and master that. So how is a failure or an apparent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure? <laughs> I have quite a few. My, one of my favorites was in paid search and I was working at Disney and I remember I had about three months of budget to use uh, for Yahoo advertising. At the time, Yahoo's paid search uh, tool was was something that we're using in addition to Google. And I went to my rep and I said, hey, I haven't been able to spend my budget that I'm supposed to be spending for over three months. And he says, why don't you turn on the display network so that your ads get seen across other websites and not just in our search results? And I thought, and how much should I start with? He said, you haven't spent any of your budget. Just amp it up. Let it run. And so the next day I came in and it had spent $5,000 and I'd sold one walking <laughs> ticket. And so I'm, I'm packing up my desk and I'm like, yeah, I'm totally fired. I'm gone. Right? It was like, and then Terry, Terry called me and he's, yeah, that was a goof. But if you measure it out over the last three months, that was the budget that you had. We'll call it marketing, not e-com. Learn from it. But, uh, but that was the scariest moment because I thought I'm going to lose my job. And so I would say <clears throat> on the paid search side, be careful as you're putting budgets out because you can blow a lot of money really fast. And if you're not going to eyeball it every hour, keep your budget low. And, and if you're going to watch it periodically, if you're going to watch it every hour, sure, amp it up so that you can see what search terms and ads are working, what placements your ads are being displayed on. That was a big one on the, the paid search side, the biggest lesson learned. The other thing I learned too was about bragging. It One of the ways I was able to get Disney to trust me to do SEO and not just paid search was to prove to my boss that I could rank for SEO expert. And it took me three months to do it. And I got to the first page and he, well, you're not number one. And so I had to go back and do you know more events and get more people to search for me and click on my listing. And in six months, I got that position. I held it for 12 years. And what I didn't realize about, you know, slapping my name and the word SEO expert all over the internet was that my peers and the folks that ran the conferences were blacklisting me because they thought I was a, a braggart. They thought I was just like, I'm number one for SEO expert. And uh, I didn't realize what, and again, it was just to get the, the business to trust that I could do SEO. And when I started getting leads from it, I'm like, wow, this is cool. I could keep ranking for this and get, you know, clients from it. But it, this, it kept me from being able to speak at conferences. It kept others from wanting to hang out with me in social groups and an online social community. It was a really hard thing to do. So if you get really good at what you do, one lesson is, is don't brag about it. Don't tell people how good you are, how better you are and how well you rank, because that's just going to, it's going to keep people from wanting to, to ask you to be part of their events and part of their communities. Instead, do the opposite. Talk about how great they are. Brag about them and what they did and the articles that they wrote and share their content. Take that opposite approach, even if you are better than them, because it could really hurt you in the long run. I lost 12 years of what could have been an amazing period of time for me speaking at conferences and meeting with other peers. And now that I've taken that page down, I've had so much fun. I've been to so many events. I've spoken at some of the coolest events ever. I'm speaking at a conference here in a couple of weeks that's around deep sea fishing and just having a lot of fun meeting some cool people that wouldn't have had anything to do with me five, 10 years ago. That's a really powerful lesson. Yeah, you're not kidding. Uh -huh. And that display network will definitely suck up some cash hey, if yeah, you're not careful. careful. I've seen that happen to people. And it's, oh, oh, yeah, let's. Uh... I'll never do Google ads again. Well, <laughs> you should have oh, yeah. with somebody who had experience to help you set it up and not do it yourself. We always want to do things ourselves, but if we don't have experience in it, it's always good yeah. to at least get someone to be our wingman. Don't just, oh, I can do it myself. Well, not all the time.
we learn our lesson that way. One of, one of the favorite businesses I work with is Bob's Watches out of uh, Newport. And Paul Altieri is the smartest businessman I've ever met because he hires experts in each discipline of, of marketing and business to give him guidance and strategy on what he should do. He doesn't do it himself. He totally could. He's one of the smartest guys I know. He could Google his way to find out anything, but he doesn't. He chooses the smartest experts in each discipline, and he has them build the roadmap, hires people to manage it, and they reach out to those experts if they need an extra set of eyes or quality assurance or just a refresh on their strategy. Oh, absolutely. Great strategy. So tell me, what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your Search Marketing Inc. was the first book. Terry Cox at Disney was my manager, uh, recommended that one to me. Uh, it was written by Bill Hunt, and Bill Hunt's uh, one of the, the sharpest SEOs in the business. He was the SEO for IBM, just an absolute genius. So Search Marketing Inc., by far one of my favorite books for what I do. I would say outside of, of digital marketing, uh, Victor Frankel, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, teaches you about hope. And as we're small business owners and, and entrepreneurs, there are those moments where you just want to give up. You want to quit and you want to go back and sit in a cubicle. And I, I think reading that book reminded me that we're going to get through the hard times and the good times are so much better and worth it. And it feels so rewarding when you do get to those accomplishments by continuing to chip away and not give up. So I think that was one of my favorites. And then I would say, and I know this is kind of cliche for, for us entrepreneurs, but the seven habits of highly effective people, listening to those those habits by Stephen Covey once a week, or just roll through it once a week. It, it helps keep you sharp. It reminds you to you know, think with the end of mind. It reminds you to look big picture and focus on big rocks. So I think it's important to, to just make that part of your, your weekly or monthly routine is revisiting those habits because they can make such a big difference in your success. Great list. Thank you. So if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, mm -hmm. what would it say and why? It would say Wiedemann. And it would say that because it wouldn't give any context as to what it is, what it means, or what it's for. And it'll cause them to search. And if they search, Google starts to infer that, hey, maybe I'm a healthy brand that people are looking for. Maybe as people learn more about us and what we can do and some of these courses we're going to have when we launch our new website over the next month. It's going to tell the search engines that that we're a brand to be reckoned with and that people are searching for us through our name, not just through non-branded searches. We have so many clients that rely 100% on search and do no other kind of advertising or marketing or billboards or radio. And they wonder why Google doesn't put them on the first page where the folks that do get searched by name do. People recognize names. And so I think if I put something on a billboard, it would just be the name of the business. It would just be Weedemann because it'll cause people to search. It'll get people to want to hopefully learn more about us. And it'll tell the search engines that we should rank because we're a brand, not just because we're a website that has optimized content. So what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? And feel free to interpret the word investments as broadly as you like. <laughs> sure. I would, I would say the best investment I made was letting go of all the responsibility. When I stopped being the master, uh, jack of all trades, master of none, and started hiring people and letting go of things that I wanted to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. Your clients will still like what your team is able to do, even if they're not the exact same perfection thing that you deliver. I think the biggest investment and the best one I've made is, is in the team I get to work with. I've got these amazing consultants that um, that are just as passionate about our industry as I am, that are sharing the same articles and, and 
news and things that that we have. And I think that makes us stronger because we all look at things from a different angle. So the best investment I've ever made is really building a team up to support me so that I can work on the business and not in it. And I'm probably about 80% there. I'm, I'm on this call specifically because I don't have to be on a call with a client right now. And it's because of this amazing team I get to work with. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. So what are your go-to self-care strategies, tactics, or techniques? Oh, here's a laundry list for you. <laughs> so <laughs> I've actually been working with, I work with a coach, Mike Warren. He runs a program called Ditch the Dad Bod. And he's this loud, eccentric, funny, amazing guy who, when you get to know him, is actually super down to earth and sharp. I started working with him last November, and it's literally changed my life. I get up every day, and I do about an hour of, of exercise, and I break it up between three different parts. One is heavy weights, one is uh, around core, and the other is plyo, and I feel freaking amazing. Every day after this workout, I'm, I'm tired, I'm sweating, and I feel like I've worked every muscle in my body. My diet's changed. I've given up all the the, the breads and, and processed foods and flours. I've lost about 40 pounds in the last. So for me, it's around getting enough sleep. It's around eating the right foods. It's around exercising correctly and mindset. And the mindset side of things as a self-improvement junkie, as I think a lot of our listeners probably are, the, the Wim Hof method has been super helpful for us. Our team here, we use a program, an app called Levelhead and Levelhead gives us all these one to three minute moments where we can learn about how to handle tough situations. We breathe and we, we take in air and we rest and we meditate. So the, the, those four areas and focusing on those have been super helpful for you know my transition from being the drink tons of coffee in the morning and tons of alcohol at night and be the stressed out business owner to being somebody who gets sleep, who gets time with family, who can look in the mirror and go, hey, I remember that kid. So, so sleep, food, exercise, and mindset have really helped. But if you want Another thing that, that I think might be helpful for listeners is the savers program, right? Where you have this uh, moment of silence in the morning, you, you give yourself some affirmation. For me, it's it's stopped being down on myself around self-esteem. And I'm like, my affirmation is usually something like, hey, I'm Steve Wiedemann. I'm a book author. And give myself that confidence boost for the day. It's around envisioning and creating a vision of what your day is going to look like. It is the exercise moment we talked about a second ago reading something for a few minutes, even if it's only one page out of a book you really want to read. Maybe it's a religious book. Maybe it's a self-improvement book. Maybe it's history. And then scribing. Everyone on my team now have recommended that we all spend a few minutes a day just recapping our day in a journal. What'd you learn? What were your takeaways? What did you like and not like? And it just really helps you brain dump onto a piece of paper. So the next day you've got a clean slate and you don't have all the things from the previous day weighing you down. So that savers seems to be a quick six minute thing you can do every day if you can't put the hour and a half or, or so into a more intense program that's the dad bod. Yeah, like, why did I ask? Why did I ask? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's wonderful. Like it's a very thorough answer. I love it. And yeah, I remember when I first started doing morning pages, Tim Ferriss sort of outlined back in the day. It was amazing to have ideas that had probably rattled in my brain for years. And then once you empty them out onto the page, it just relieves this tension there that you're no longer responsible for holding information that you put onto a page. Yep. And that's where creativity really then come, comes rushing in to fill the gap. And so the more you can write down every day, even if it's just, I hate writing this every day, whatever it is, just actually like the, that physical action, incredibly powerful in terms of opening you up to new possibilities. 
Absolutely, I agree. Hey, you know, we forgot to tell people what I was wearing today since we're only on audio. I actually came in with my my 42 t-shirt and everyone in the building's <laughs> like, why is that guy carrying around a towel? And I'm like, you don't know? <laughs> there you go. Douglas Adams. <laughs> anyway, had to do it. <laughs> so in the last five years, what have you become better at saying no to? So many things. In fact, I try to keep a, a no button over by my desk, but right now it's, it's on the other side of the room. Otherwise, I go grab it. But you can actually order one on Amazon. It's a no button. And the, the hardest thing for me to say no to is just saving the world. I want to help everybody. We have a specific target of folks that we want to work with. We have specific big rocks that we want to focus on. But every day we get calls and emails, some from friends and family, some from just random folks who find us online that have no budget. And I just want to help everyone. And so I've had to say, but instead of just saying no to, to trying to save the world and help everyone with everything that they need, I'm getting better at referring. Look, I can't personally put time into this right now, but I want to help you. So here's some free checklists. Here's some free guides. Here's someone who I know will work with clients like you. So I'm trying better to, instead of just say no, to get people into the right hands, to, to get them the help that they need. And a lot of times it's just giving away, like we did today, free access to that $600 training program. Look, I, you probably can't you know, afford us at the moment, but why don't you start with this, get some interns in, and then hit up one of the social groups in, in SEO on social and see if people can you know, give you a second set of eye on things until you have a budget. So I think that's the thing I wish I would have said no to more because I probably put 30% of my time uh, as an entrepreneur into just helping people through free training or free support with their website or just free tech stuff or, hey, help me fix my computer or I should have referred it off or said no to it. I think that's the hardest thing for me because I want to help everybody. Oh, I totally know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> the team, so, the team's like, what are you doing right now? You're helping someone for free, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me, how have you found uh, mentors and advisors throughout your That's a good one. You know, I have several actually that, that have been huge influences on how I run my business and how I look at the world. Most of the time it's been haphazard through referral or someone in a social group somewhere. And they said, you seem really smart. Can you help me with something? And then we get into conversations and I'm like, actually, I think you're the smart one. I'm going to not leave you alone and email you every day. So some of the smartest ones I found include Scott Sorrell, Mr. Charge Higher Prices. He helped in the early days when I was selling more strategies and odds for 500 bucks. And within a year, we we're selling them for 3,500. Exact, exact same reports and we we're getting the exact same thanks. In fact, we were getting more and better clients because we were charging more. I would say Warren Whitlock, social media influencer, expert, author of Twitter Revolution. One of my best friends, he's the nicest, coolest guy in the world. And he'll use sarcasm to remind you that you're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing. Reminds you that you should be doing more big picture things and, and not getting so much into details. That's what team members are for. Who else? Will Pemble is one of the, the first folks at web.com back in the day and also one of the smartest, savviest businessmen you'll ever meet. Also happens to be Roller Coaster Dad. If you do a search for Coaster Dad, you can find all his YouTube videos. He builds roller coasters in his backyard and for friends now. I think he's retired, but just an absolute brilliant business person. And then Paul Alturi, I mentioned earlier too, is a client, but by just listening and watching and observing the way he runs his business, he, he was indirectly a mentor to me as well. Sounds like a great list. You've been very blessed with a variety of advisors been lucky, and mentors. Been lucky for sure. So are there any quotes that you think of often or that you live your life by? 
Absolutely. One of my favorites is by Jim Rohn. And he says, and, and I follow this in, in what we do with SEO. Hey, how come we're not doing shortcuts or tricks or hacks? How come you guys aren't emailing like ways that you can hack your way into search results? And, and it's because I've always lived by, by, by this quote. And it's that you don't have to do extraordinary things to be successful. You only have to do ordinary things extraordinarily well. And I think that's something that's helped me to embrace and cultivate transparency, honesty. I never have to worry about having different stories for different people that I've talked to. I can just be authentic and open. I can keep everything that I know out in the open and not have anything secret, private, whatever. It's all out. And then I just have this feeling, this peace of mind of I'm not hiding anything and I have nothing to worry about my life or about what I've said or done to anybody because I'm, I'm this big open book and I always try to do the best I can in any circumstance, whether I'm mopping a floor or optimizing a web page, if I'm giving it my absolute best and going above and beyond to try to make sure that what I'm doing is the best that I can do or better than what I did last time, then I know that I'm doing the right thing. Oh, I love that. It's a great one. Thank you. So who've been some of your heroes throughout your life and how do they help or inspire you? My mom, by far, is my biggest hero. She raised me as a single parent for the majority of my childhood. She worked full-time at Pacific Bell, which later became AT&T. 35 years there, retired. Taught me self-discipline, right? Are you dying? No, you're going to school. You know, perfect attendance in high school. Even on days where I couldn't move my head because I had a pulled muscle in my neck or just felt absolutely miserable. She told me, what, are you going to be miserable at home or miserable at school and, and still get good grades? She taught me about honesty and, and ethics and would just destroy me if I tried to lie or fib or whatever. And it really taught me about, about ethics and values. So I'd say my mom, strongest, coolest, smartest person I'd, I'd ever met, my biggest influence would be my wife. But before we got married, I was in a, a pretty serious car accident and shattered my foot. And she came in every single day and sat next to me and got me out of the, the bed and into the gym. And look, you can't work out your leg, work out your arms and your chest and get some energy and some blood flowing. And she was there and supported me through all that and um, never gave up. She doesn't give up on anybody. She's there for her grandma, her mom, her aunts and uncles. She's the hub of our family and a, a true leader. So I think my mom and my wife are probably my biggest heroes. Oh, it's a beautiful answer. Thank you. Well, Steve, this has been such an enlightening and fun conversation, but it does bring me to my final question of the day. And that is, what is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you? Ooh, kindest thing anyone has ever done for me. You know, so many things people have done that I think has been like reciprocity on giving. You know, you, you give and everyone at some point comes back and they give back. I think what the best thing somebody gave to me was coming back after I, I'd worked for an agency and a friend of mine, Jeff, didn't stand up for me in a period where we were all being taken advantage of by the agency. And then one day, a few years later, he, com he came back and he said, a few years ago, I did you wrong by not standing up for us because I didn't want to lose my job. And that was the worst mistake I'd ever made. And it's been haunting me. I just wanted to call you to apologize. I feel really bad about what I did and what happened. And I want to let you know that I'm here. I want to be your friend and, and I want your forgiveness. I think the apology from somebody who did something wrong is the best gift you can give to anybody. And that was one of my favorite moments in my life was when somebody came back after after something like that and just was completely sincere and said, I, I apologize. I screwed up. And, and you mean a lot to me as a person. And I want our friendship back. That was cool. That was the best gift I think I ever got. Wow. That's really powerful.
Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Steve. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to speak Thank to you. Thank you, sir. This was amazing. And I, I love being able to share stories and I hope I didn't put anyone to sleep. I know I talk a lot and there's a lot to, it's a buzzword now, unpack, but, uh, <laughs> but it's recorded. They could always pause and go back and write stuff down. And <laughs> that was great stuff. Thank you. Thank you. So go we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Today's episode was brought to you by the HOCL Association. If you're an HOCL business owner or looking to join the industry, visit hocla.org to learn more and book your free consultation today. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us so that others can find it as well. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the LUE Podcast, or visit our website at theluepodcast.com. We look forward to having you tune in next time for the next episode of Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm Pacifico Soldati, wishing you peace, love, and awesomeness. Yes.